The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for good old DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process, processrealtor.com, LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged, and Kinetic Skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, the Sixers play basketball again. It looked much better. And surprise, surprise, Joel Embiid was back on the floor, as was Tobias Harris. So we will talk about the potential switch at starting point guard, finding some minutes for Mr. Isaiah Joe. Doesn't seem like we have any Ben Simmons updates, so that's sort of a good thing, I would say. And the big story for today's pod is the return of one emailer named Chip Mitchell, who has graced us with his presence probably five or six times over the last seven years, eight years, but it's always been it's always been a, a great one, and this one is a great one as well. Before we get started, we are only two weeks away from the Providence Animal Center's Bark in the Park. The Ricky has a team like usual. We have raised uh, almost $10,000 at this point. We just have like, I think, 150 bucks more. So you can donate. Go to rightsrickysanchez.com. And I overordered on the t-shirts. So if you haven't joined the team yet, you can join the team now. And if you raise at least 75 bucks, you'll get our team shirt along with the Providence Animal Center team shirt. Thanks to Big Barker, Dog Beds, and By Nature Pet Food, uh, saving homeless animals. It's a good thing. One of the few good things we actually do here. Without any further ado, the war on drugs. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is preferring the war on drugs to Rich Paul's war in Philadelphia. Mm. That is Mike Levin. How do you like that, buddy? I like it. That's yeah. true. It's very yeah. true. There's it's been a true. truce in the war, at least for the past couple of days, which I appreciate. Yeah. But I do. Yeah. I am genuinely a huge fan of the war on drugs. And so it's very cool to hear their song play before whatever stupid shit we're about to say. So the War on Drugs has a new album coming out on October 29th called I Don't Live Here Anymore. That is the title track. We will be using War on Drugs tracks from that album for the intro and the outro until the album comes out to celebrate their album coming out on October 29th. And we will have Adam and Dave from the War on Drugs on the pod in the coming weeks. And then Amos and the Chef return. But uh, congratulations to the War on Drugs on their new record. So we will skip wars. And we will go right to the second Sixers game against the, what's it called? The Toronto Raptors. And boy, I would say improvement in, in almost every respect. It is amazing what happens when the best player on the team returns to the court. Mm -hmm. uh, so first impressions of Embiid were pretty much, I don't know, looked like Embiid. I, I, don't, I, I don't have much to say about Joel. I said that it was nice that it just looked like Joel. Yeah, we don't have to get into too much. I'm not going to say that he has to get better as a passer and make quick, like, you know, read the defense as a. You know, a couple of moments decisions. that I thought you were going to say that when I was watching no, the game. We're like, not doing. We moment. don't need to do it. It's the preseason. Okay. He's getting his legs under him. He's figuring it out. Um, there is theoretically more spacing. Um, 
happy to see him there. Happy to see him energetic and moving mm-hmm. around. Just yeah. there. This was one of his. I think last season he was pretty. Yeah, last season he was fairly healthy and he came back and in, in the best shape of his life. And I think mm-hmm. this is kind of similar. Um, so it's just. I mean, I guess I guess the meniscus this year, so not not quite as healthy as last season. Um, but he's he's there. It's good that he's there. Uh, I I can very easily put myself in the place of he may never play, and and when he hadn't the first two seasons, it's really that's like just so easy for me to go back into those moments when being like, what the this is never going to happen. And so I'm just I this preseason is the time for appreciation appreciation season. Mm-hmm. And we love it, and we think we are glad he's there. The the one Embiid thing I noticed, and Thibel wasn't there, so I I suppose that could be a slight fly in the ointment. But and this happened, you know, throughout the years, occasionally when Simmons was off the court and Embiid was on. But you look up and down the roster, and you're like, unless there is one moment that. Doc Rivers gets saucy and puts Andre Drummond on the floor with him. There's really nobody on the court on the roster that you could put on the court with Embiid at this point that cannot shoot. That so he will always like every minute that Embiid is on the court this year, he will be, he will have four people who are capable of shooting a three pointer around him. And you know, like uh, until they make a a trade at some point to get another perimeter creator. Much of the offense will go through Embiid once again, probably more than ever. But I do think the it will be advantageous for him to spend a lot more minutes on the court without having to worry about nobody being able to shoot. And to your point that you didn't even make yet about him passing is that it will just be more minutes to figure that out, I think, you know, to figure out what it looks like when it's four out and him in and how to make those reads. There'll just be more reps for him to do that. Sure. Yeah. There's they've they've certainly uh upgraded on shooting around the roster. Uh they've up I'd say slightly upgraded on playmaking in the second unit. Um and they've they've downgraded on passing and, and a little bit of defense. So that's that's where we're gonna be. So why don't we talk about the, uh, you know, I think there were two, two of the biggest takeaways from the, from that game. And Mike O'Connor wrote about it on rightsrickysanchez.com today, where the switch at who was starting a point and then the Isaiah Joe thing. So why don't we do the point guard thing first? You know, you, uh, you don't want to take too much into, um, into two preseason games, but it was a pretty noticeable difference in how Milton played and how Maxi played in the first game to the second game. Now, obviously Embiid is there. Harris is there. That can change things, but it does seem possible. Milton looked way better and more comfortable. And I think a little more understanding what his role is. And so did Maxi because Maxi's role was to just come in and like get buckets and cause a little bit of chaos. And it made him look like a better creator even what do you think the odds are? Mike talked about Shake maybe starting for the first 25 games of the year. What do you think the odds are that this sticks at least for the beginning of the year and Milton starts and Maxi comes off the bench? I think it's unlikely. I think Doc Doc said as much after the game where he's like, "It's that was the first game. This is the second game. Everybody mm-hmm. looks better this game. I don't know. It's it's easy to read into like they played better and so this they should stick with this. But um, 
it makes sense sometimes when you look at Shake is is a better shooter at this point, especially off the catch. Um, and then it allows Maxi to be a, a more spark plug sixth man, which Shake has some ability in him. He's done it sometimes. You you, you can like recall those times when those the the few weeks when Ben and Embiid were out last season or the season before, and mm-hmm. uh, and Shake was just in control of the ball. Um, but because he's not that fast, because his uh, his handle is good, but he's not that strong with it, and he doesn't have a ton of finishing ability inside in traffic, and he never gets those calls. I think there are times when he does kind of get fouled, but for some reason, the way he moves his body, I don't, I don't know if he's worked on that or whatever, but like he, Shake never gets calls as he goes inside. Some of it is because he's just going up without a plan or not putting his body in the right space, but that's something I think he should have worked on this offseason. Maybe he did. Um, I was going to say his, 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 he has to be more purposeful when he gets down there, I think. Yeah. And he'll, he'll be able to get more calls. Yeah. There's one play when I think it was Goran Dragic went up like verticality and Shake couldn't do anything by it. And it's just like, you, there's got to be something there. If you're going to be a guy that, that penetrates in traffic, then, then you have to be able to beat Goran Dragic at the rim. Um, but I, I, I think Shake is, I don't think Shake's ever going to be a starting point guard. I don't think he's, ever going to be like the focal point of running an offense i think his ball handling is a nice secondary situation um as a good as a good to great shooter and as a long and improving defender i think that's that's where you want him to be and so if in the starting lineup you look at that and go yeah you're gonna give it to tobias during the ball you're gonna give it to Shea. you're gonna give it to seth a little bit like it's really just dumping the ball into Embiid. i think that that's fine if they want that at the beginning so that maxi can come in at times and, and be the bench guy. But I think when the when it matters, you know I'm not a starting lineup guy. I think when it matters, Maxie's gonna be on the court, uh initiating the offense when when the defense tightens up. Yeah. And by the way, they can play together. There, there's nothing mm-hmm. to say that they can't play together, especially because Shake uh shot still looks weird to me. There's I I need could somebody out there, um maybe MOC, somebody, I don't care if you're watching, could you show me Shake's form from a few years ago and now shooting threes, he's like pushing it. It's weird, but especially the fact that shakes can thrive off ball and maxi thrives on ball. And I think Mm -hmm. if shake is a better defender than we can be, um, they can, they can certainly play minutes together. I mean, we got fucking roasted by Lou Williams and Trey young at the same time together. we, can certainly play those two guys together. Oh, for sure. I mean, minutes. yeah. You look at this line. Like, there's their depth is like not an issue. It's not. There's there are fewer like guys who hang their hat on defense. But there's, I think, some 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 more. I think Drummond will make some things more things happen defensively than than Dwight simply because he's long and has more anticipating skills, uh, either with with steals and with blocks, um, and just has a little more quick reaction time. Um, again, not that I love him, but I'm just giving a little bit here, just like giving like, like, on, give like an inch here that. and there. Yeah, you're out. Um, and I think I think George Niang, while he is slow, is ha- is a smart player and has a lot of good anticipation and a strong hand, so he'll make some things happen as well. Um, and everybody's year you're more a year com- more comfortable in the system and a- around each other and stuff since there really has been a lot of continuity from from year to year outside of Ben. Um. So there's, I mean, there's depth. There's like, we have depth. I, and we'll talk about Isaiah Joe in a second, but like there, 
This team is 11 deep right now. Is 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 it 11 good? Nah. It's 11 it's 11 okay. <laughs> it's 11 fine. There are 11 it's, players. There's 11 players. There's and you could argue 12 for Bebel Paul, which I would. Um but outside of Embiid and and Tobias and Seth on one end of the court and hopefully a developing Maxi, like the team is there's we will see the lengths if if Ben's out the whole year and they never make the trade or whatever whatever it is, we will see the lengths of like one really good center followed by a ton of role players. Yeah, uh, how how that can be in in today's NBA and I and I don't know how I don't know how good that team is. I, yeah. I straight up don't. The Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. So I want to I want to check on the odds. So there's a special going on at DraftKings Sportsbook right now. If you go to if you have the app right here and you go to all sports and then go to NBA and you, you scroll, there's Ben Simmons specials right there. This is on the app for everyone, by the way, God bless DraftKings. And it says the rights to Ricky Sanchez, Ben Simmons special. And the bet is, will Ben Simmons convert his first free throw attempt of the regular season? The first mission that I had was to bet, have people bet so much on no, we move the line. And we have moved the line. So it's gone. No has gone from plus 130 to plus 125. And yes is minus 145. So this will be until he shoots his first free throw. I imagine if he doesn't shoot a free throw this year, if he never signs, this will be a push. But thank you, DraftKings, for that. Um, and uh, let's bet it more. Like, let's get no to even money. Like, I just... Who cares if we win or lose? I just want to fucking move the line. DraftKings Sportsbook is a uh, official betting partner of the NFL. That is tomorrow. Bet just a dollar on any NFL game and get a hundred bucks in free bets. That's for new customers. If either team scores a point, the last zero zero tie in the NFL was 1943. So you'll probably get the hundred dollars in free bets. Um, if it is not available in your state, DraftKings Sportsbook. You can play their daily fantasy sports contests, huge cash prizes, even if you can't bet with DraftKings. All new customers in non-legal states get shots of millions of bucks in prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code RTRS. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code RTRS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And I don't think anyone's going to score. No? The whole no. league. No. I think DraftKings Sportsbook in their advertising it should have the logo official sports betting partner of the nfl and the rights to ricky sanchez i feel like they need to at least DraftKings. if you're listening ethan mike max send me a mock-up of that must be 21 or older new jersey indiana or pa only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit and one dollar wager required one per customer restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER this was the game and you know it's been building up to this, I think there's been a hum of it. This has always been a pro Isaiah Joe podcast. I think both of us is one of the players that we've both been pretty high on. Uh, I was shocked to see that he wasn't 6'6". All that said, he he has looked great in the first two preseason games. His ability, his ability to shoot quickly from far away and not be completely like a deer in headlights in other aspects of the game can put the ball on the floor a little bit. We'll try on defense, even though he is, he's still very thin and we'll get muscled around a little bit. He's going to, he, he's got to be in the rotation uh, at the beginning of the year. I think if Thibel is not ready for the beginning of the year with whatever shoulder thing he has going on, I think those are the minutes you see, but even if it's two from everybody, 
he's he's just I think he's got to be on the floor for 16 or 18 minutes a game. Isaiah Joe. Uh, yeah, he's really good. He's very yeah. good, and he's and he tries defensively, which is all, which is most of it. And he's a a little bit smart back there, and he shoots like crazy. He shoots in different ways. Not it's not just he's catch and shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, Covington style. Like he's coming off screens. He has a little dribble drive, little dribble drive into a shot. Yep. Like, look, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying it. And I just want you to know I'm not saying it. But in a different time, when the Sixers were worse, in a process year, in a 2014, oh, no. Isaiah Joe came in. Oh, no. I could I could be convincing myself there is Devin Booker upside there. Oh my I god. I could have in 2014, I could look at that and mean like those options, like that's a really good shot. He's got a little bit of a handle and he tries defensively, a little bit of a dog. I am just saying that at a different time in my life, I would have done that. I'm not at that time in my life anymore. We're not at that time in our Sixers fandom. It's not happening. But not to agree or disagree. Let me just throw in there that if you have been with us the whole time, you will remember the difference it made when Robert Covington just stepped on the court because he was the first player we we had seen shoot in the entire time. Like it just, it was like a... So if somebody like Isaiah, just to reinforce what you're saying, if somebody like Isaiah Joe had come in who shot like that, but also could dribble because Hollis was never a dribbler or anything, mm-hmm. I I could see you saying that. I could see us getting very hyped yeah. over Isaiah Joe. Absolutely. Look, there was there were no guardrails then. It was just it was just we could say whatever. And if we were wrong, then there'd be another guy two days later. <laughs> Usually 10 days later, just coming in and I could be excited about that. But Isaiah Joe's good and he should play. It's tough to imagine this team, like any team having an 11-man rotation. But Danny's old. Seth well, is important. Like, By the way, Danny, we don't need Danny. If he's going to be ready in the playoffs, by the way, yeah. like Danny, who we're going to need, he like he played like every minute of every game the, the, the last yeah. year. We don't, we don't need, need that at 35 or 36 years old. And he yeah. needs to be more spry defensively than he was last year. So I just give Danny a month off here and there. Just let him, just let him be on the bike one whole month. And Danny's just on the bike. Uh, but people are going to get hurt. I mean, Matisse, obviously it's dealing with a little bit of a shoulder thing. I, I don't, I don't think it's un- unreasonable to think like there's going to be time to, to get him in there, but he, he needs to like, and whether that's taking Korkmaz's minutes, but although Korkmaz is also really good and has, and has a higher release point and a little bit of handling also, um, and has also gotten improved on defense. Although I think Isaiah Joe profiles to be a better defender in the long run, or or shake if if he can't figure out how to like impact the game positively unless he's around the starters. I think you could put Isaiah Joe in that in that spot right now and 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 do similar stuff. Um, it's got to it, he's got to play. We got to we got to figure out a way for him to get in there. Um, and I want to see him around Embiid because he hasn't he didn't play with Embiid at all yesterday or mm-hmm. in whatever the game was, and uh, and it'd be fun to just let him hoist. Um, so it's 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 cool to have shooting, very cool. Cool to have all these guys who can make some things happen with the ball in their hands. Um, I love and anticipated loving George Niang. Uh, guy moves off ball. Guy gets shots up quickly. Like we have we have shooting, and we got to find a way to to make it work. And I, it, guys with gravity will make it easier for. And as Joe does have gravity, will make it easier for. Embiid to make the plays that he wants to make and also the passes that he wants to make. Cause then all of a sudden guys have gravity, then it becomes, Oh, that's Tobias cutting or, or Matisse cutting or, or Maxi having a little more space within the pick and roll. Like it, it makes it, it makes it easy. 
Um, and they need it to be easy because they don't have the passing to to make it difficult. The two other smaller notes I had were there's one point I'm confusing when I'm watching because the two games so far I've watched mostly on my phone, um, like after the game. And wow, Gen Z over here. Yeah, you know me. I'm just I was TikToking while I was doing it, honestly, right. you know. And when Nyang, George Nyang and Furkan Korkmaz are on the floor together, and one is 30 and one is 20. Let me tell you, you can confuse them really easily. You mentioned Furk improving on defense. I will say, when they're on the same side of the court, those two guys, that is not a great defensive side of the court. Sure. You know, they both both pretty Yang incredibly slow footed. And that is the I think the one the one real downside of Furk is that he just doesn't move laterally all that well. And that'll be a, a problem they have. So um, but then the other the other just sort of smaller note, and this is a bigger note, but a smaller note. Not that it's surprising, but and it's only the two preseason games. But man oh man. We all wanted B-Ball Paul to fucking, he's not going to play very much. Like, mm-hmm. he's just not, everybody get it through your head. And I know we're all going to be tweeting the shit out of it when Andre Drummond's in there, you know, Kobeing away. But it's going to be Drummond and it's not going to be B-Ball Paul. And I don't, you know. hundred percent. So yeah. yeah, no, I think so. And I think in the regular season, for the most part, that's fine. The reason that I want to play B-Ball Paul, and he will play because Embiid's going to miss time on purpose and Hopefully not, but surely by accident. Um, In the playoffs, you just have to have another look. We've been saying this for so long. The Sixers, through several playoffs, failed playoffs, over the years, over Embiid's career, had no other look to throw at them. Whether a coach was unwilling to do it, or they tried it in the regular season and it didn't work, or whatever it is, they need to be able to do that. Other teams are doing that, and if they go small and... They're putting Andre Drummond to pick and roll, and he can't, and he's just dropping and allowing pick a player, Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker, whoever, to just like pull up in front of him. Then that's a problem. Bebo Paul is is a, a far better, world better, even in his chaos, world's better defender on the perimeter by a lot. And whether it's him or going small, which the Sixers can't really do as much without Ben, and they didn't do it well last year. They need to make it work. I think every coach has been like, it doesn't work. They're not good at it enough. And it's your job during the regular season, which is too fucking long. You have all this opportunity to get there. The Sixers are not going to be a top two team in the East. So all you have to do is get out of the play in game and make some things happen. You saw what happened with Milwaukee last year. They had more options. They were a worse team in the regular season, but they had more options when it got to the playoffs. We need to be able to throw different looks at them. And Bebo Paul is one of those options and he needs to play. Play so they can work him and get better and find a way for it to work in the playoffs when Andre Drummond is not a good matchup. Sometimes he will be a good matchup. Sometimes it's going to be fine. But we have to be able to go away from stuff. And they have never done that in the playoffs defensively. They've never done that. And it's really, really frustrating. The only caveat I would give is that we are not watching practice and maybe Bebo Paul has, I'm just throwing it out there that he has not improved at all. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's unplayable one way or, or the other, but it is uh, the jumper. The, ju- the jumper looks better. He just makes stuff happen. I think I can see why he, you'd be his coach, as we talked about last week, and, and go like, there is chaos, there's chaos there. He's he's doing. You can't like put him in a box a little bit. And I get it. And that's a young guy. And that's a guy who, you know, even though he's young, he's not that young. He's like late in his development, like those kinds of things. Like I'm, he's not going to be 
even if he was like Brandon Wright, sorry, Brandon Clark or Brandon Wright. I like him also. Brandon Clark, like, is was late in his development, but he's got so much touch and so much like composure and makes things happen on the defensive end. Bebo Paul has that in just a more falling down type of way. I get why a coach would be like, I don't know, man, I can't play this guy, but he, there are going to be times when you're going to need something like that, whether it's Paul or it, ben, like a someone that you get for Ben or something, just a non a bench minutes when Embiid's not out there, a, a, some center type needs to be not Andre Drummond. Sometimes in the playoffs, that, that's going to happen. And I don't want them to be like, we don't have anybody. We didn't do it enough. We didn't do the groundwork. We didn't lay the groundwork of, of having a functional counterattack in the regular season because we were too busy just doing the same thing we always do because it's been enough of this, like how we have to adjust. The final thing before we move on to uh, the the next thing, the emails, uh, we got some great emails. Uh, OGN, Zach mentioned Zach Lowe, friend of the Ricky, Zach Lowe with, I think with, uh, with the pod with Simmons, he, Bill Simmons, not Ben, he mentioned a, you know, what would Toronto say if the Sixers offered Ben Simmons for straight up for Fred Van Vliet and OG, OG Ananobi? And watching OG Ananobi <laughs> these last two games, the, the Raptors would tell them to go fuck themselves. Like, it is amazing how that guy has developed in two years, Ananobi. Like, he is really good. He's It's one thing to look at him shooting six threes a game on stats and be like, wow, that's a lot of threes per game or whatever. But then it's another thing to see him doing it and how willing and versatile he's become in a couple of years. It's just, he, it's just amazing. I, they, they develop players really well in Toronto and they have done it over and over and over again, but man, oh man, it's just stunning watching him. That's all I got. It's stunning how much better he's gotten. He's awesome. I loved him in Indiana. I, I have been wanting to steal him away from Toronto for a long time. Og. I believe in the offense as a, like the, the jumper has pretty much always looked good. There's been like a, there after Kawhi popped, there was like a lot of the like next Kawhi mm-hmm. stuff of like, actually this guy has an untapped potential, like started on the defense. And I think like Matisse got roped into that. Obviously he, Matisse is worlds away from that on the offensive end. Um, but OG just like always like looked more of the part than those other guys. Um, and I, I think there's still more room to grow because he's athletic, because he's long, because he's strong, because he has some ball handling, because he has a really nice form on his jumper that he can get off with guys in his face. And now a little bit more, which I haven't seen before, off the dribble. Um, he's a really, really good player. And there have there have been a ton of rumors about that. And if and if and if it's Van Vliet, if right now there is there are saying like Van Vliet and Ananobi for for Simmons, I mean the answer is the answer yes. is yes. Yes, um, it's tough to imagine like all of these small guards being on the Sixers, but I think then you you, you trade Curry or something and you figure it out. Yeah, well, whatever. I, we we'll get to it. There have been a, a couple of small. I said no Ben Simmons news. There are a couple of ball, small Ben Simmons trade discussions. We'll get to that uh, right after the official uh, realtor of the Ricky in the process, Adam Kasabi and his team of process trusting realtors, K-S-E-B-E. Love Kasabi. Love him. He's, he used to just be him. And then he got more people. So he used to just cover the Delaware beaches. Then he covered all of Delaware. Now all of Delaware and Maryland. And most importantly, no matter where you are, you're in PA, you're in Jersey. You know, I was moving from PA to Jersey, reached out to him. And I was like, I need a realtor. And he's your guy. He will find you a realtor. If you need to refinance, Kasabi's your guy. It is 
like the wild fucking west out there when you're buying a house right now. It is so important that you have a good realtor. Uh, so it's one thing to just be searching the websites all day long. You got to find somebody who can get you in there. You got to find somebody who, you know, there's people waving uh, inspections and all that kind of shit. You need, to, you need somebody you can trust to guide you through it. Adam Kasebe, K-S-E-B-E, the official realtor of the process. And it's a crazy time to buy a house, but with interest rates low, it's not a bad time. It's just crazy. And I will say, as I said at the top, specializes in the Delaware beaches. Do not buy a beach house in Jersey. Go to Delaware. Property taxes way lower. Crowds way lower. Everything good, nothing bad. Adam Kasebe, he's waiting for you. 302-864-8643. 302-864-8643. You can call him, you can text him, or email adam at processrealtor.com. Again, wherever you are, he can be your key to that next step. Um, a good guy, uh, a trusted sponsor of the Ricky, and we vouch for him. Adam Kasabi, official realtor of the process. So these were the two sort of mini Ben stories that were this week. First, um, Rich Paul dialed up. Keith Pompey, and he said, hey, there's an offer from Indiana that is Malcolm Brogdon and Karis Lavert and a pick. Do you think Maury would do that? That was the first thing. And then there was a the, lot we of- need like an, We need like an, uh, a war sound effect, like update uh, from the battlefield. Yeah. CJ, could you produce something like that? Just nod if the answer is like, yes. Yeah. Like boots on the ground, some amount yep. of something. Yeah. We need an audio and a video one. With like, all the from war, like the for, from like the World War II, like the forties, like a very like UK style, like the war effort, like those kinds of things. Yes, especially with the war on drug stuff, and uh, like there's that. just a lot of war going on. So there was that thing, and then there was a a bit of conversation. I won't ever say it was a rumor, but there was conversation over the idea of Kyrie Irving for Ben Simmons, giving given Irving's current situation in Brooklyn. That is so funny. It would that'd be, be so funny. the most hilarious thing in the world. Look, if we're just talking about players just playing on the court, mm. Simmons for Kyrie Irving is like, like that in a second. Kyrie Irving, when he is playing, is fucking excellent. He's not perfect, but he's awesome. You just don't know if he's going to play. I, mm -hmm. I just, I, and, and we said this when they traded. He's allowed Bobby. to practice now, thanks to the city. What a weird, what a weird time to be alive. Well, that, so it was, I was actually confused as to why he wouldn't have been able to practice because the rule in New York, as, as I work there every day, is not that you need to be vaccinated to be inside or even at a business. It's in a public facing business and their practice facility is not public facing. So I think that was more clarity than anything else. But the uh, just for, even forgetting about the the vaccine thing, which is, I guess, why we're in the conversation in the first place. I just don't think he's that interested in playing all the time. Like, I, I, and and we said this when they traded for Butler. And there's when you trade for a star, it's rare that the situation is going to be perfect. There's always going to be something that is like, yeah. well, I don't know about that. But like, one of the things I don't think can be. Does this guy, is this guy just going to retire? Yeah, he could straight up retire. He has yeah. threatened to straight up retire if they trade him. Yeah. Which is interesting. Howard Bryant called him a contrarian without a cause, which That's feels yeah. like, the, like a correct assumption. There are things that Kyrie is like, cool, standing up for stuff. And then something just like, he's just, he's just talking out of his ass. I mean, it's just really tough. Uh, and it'd be funny to have, the, to do the 
Al Horford appreciator on an even greater level. Yes. With Kyrie, that would be. We love Smoker's Arms. Everyone, everyone yep. listens to the podcast, starts smoking. Uh, everyone stops working out. Uh, that's that's what it would have to be. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen. But it is like my my chaos for your chaos is definitely a uh, a trade that would make sense. It Ben would definitely fit really really nicely in Brooklyn. Like that would be a perfect uh, situation for for him. And Kyrie here would would on the court be be nice. It would make sense, but I don't think I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna happen on on several levels. Yeah, I mean the, the relationship between Kyrie and Durant is a lot. You know that th- those were the two guys that decided to play together in mm-hmm. in Brooklyn, and Harden was second. I certainly don't want to. This is not a Nets podcast. Obviously, the idea of Simmons works really well if he's committed to being something different in Brooklyn. But like, remember for him to be as an initiator, you're like taking it out of Harden's hands. And I'm like, well, you know, if you take it out of Harden, if, if Harden has the ball, like what's Ben doing? We can all talk about him setting fucking screens and all that yeah. shit. But like, and at least one know. of the one of the uh, bullshit justifications that Rich Paul or someone close to Rich Paul has used for Ben wanting to be gone is like, hey, I want to be, I want to like develop my game outside of, like, let me be on a worse team, basically. Yeah. And let me and so like this would not he'd be even doing less in Brooklyn than he'd be doing here. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I mean these are lies. He's lying. Everyone's lying. So yeah. it's, like it's it's like a real justification. Like we could logic it into things, but so oh, these are lies. So we don't need to do that. Um the the Indiana offer is I think like Brogdon and Levert are like would be like fine. I think those are fine. It'd be a fine return. Um I don't see why Indiana would do it. I think this is a it just it just wouldn't make sense to me. Like Ben and Brogdon are perfect fits with each other. And so if you trade Brogdon and then you have Simmons and Sabonis and Miles Turner, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, if you do the if you get Sabonis out of there, I, I was working I was tinkering with some three team trades where where Sabonis goes to either San Antonio or Minnesota. Cat cat Sabonis is interesting, not perfect, but interesting. Um, and then you can use him as like a as like a passing from the high post type of thing with with D'Angelo and Beasley and all those guys. Um, that makes more sense to me. But and so then you go like Brogdon, Duarte, T.J. Warren, Ben, Miles Turner. I think that's a really good team. Um, but. I don't this I, I think this trade will be fine. I, I could talk myself into Levert having more upside, even though he's injury prone. There's been times when he's looked really great. I love Levert. Good, yeah, I know Levert. you love yeah. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's I don't think he's like all-star level. Um, but two, but him and like what what is a team of Brogdon and Levert and Tobias around and B? Those are three like uh like next four out all-star level players yeah um not so like not quite there not even like really that much on the cusp ever like and it's really Embiid and like a bunch of fourth best players on the championship team do you if you have enough of those guys like is that fine maybe or is it just like the kind of if you get those guys in picks or whatever it is do you do i was trying to work it so it, it becomes a a half step where like we're good enough now and then when Beal asks out when they're like nine and twenty, um, then then you package all those things together and, and get Beal and, and bring him in there. Um, yeah, I th- I think you gotta get a couple of picks. I don't think it can just be a pick in that trade. I, you know, like he, they would be a good regular season team. They would be better than they are now, but 
I agree with you. Like they still would need the guy, even though I love Lavert, love, love, love Lavert. Um, and and by the way, there's a lot of players that do not pass the watch the whole games uh, uh, test. And Sabonis is one of those for me, man. In the highlights, he's great. I watch a whole game and I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck is this guy like. If he was on the the perfect situation, where but but when I watch him, watch him for extended period of time, Donatus Sabonis doesn't pass the eye test for me. I I like Sabonis a lot. I think he's a really interesting player. I don't know how I'd feel if if I was building a team around him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think him and Miles Turner has have not been perfect together. Um, I think Cat because he's more versatile is on the offensive end is. Than Turner is, I think, would be interesting. I think that team is still probably a pretty bad defensive team. Um, because where do you put Sabonis to defend? Like, do you want him on the perimeter where he's like a little bit slow and a little bit doesn't get to use his strength? Or do you want him in the post where, yeah, he could, you could, he can body anybody because he's strong and sturdy, but he's also not a rim protector. And so it's like yeah. those kinds of weird players. I think the NBA is weird. It's a, it's a really weird league in the sense that like and i've been talking about this since i've been talking about basketball on the internet like you have to be really particular about who you're building your team around because sabonis is a great player he's probably one of the 30 best players in the nba or or so um but i don't think that like there's so few situations where that kind of skill set because he's weak on this end or that end or in this situation he's not that much of a shooter and he's developing like there's too many there's too many negatives sounds familiar yeah, Simmons is another yeah. one of those, but I think yeah. with Embiid, Embiid was good enough and as a shooter good enough, and, and if and if Simmons had developed a little bit more in the half court and as a shooter, then it, and it could have been good enough um, and still might in the future. But I think I think there's you just have to be careful. Like when you have Paul George, like there's you could do anything. Like there's nothing, not that he's like the best player in the league or anything, or mm-hmm. Durant's a better example, but like guys that is like, hey, I'm a wing who can can penetrate and shoot and and defend the crap out of the ball. Like those are that's the easiest player to fit into anywhere. If you're even even a guy like Dame, like building a team around Dame, he's, he's certainly one of the 15 best players in the league. But like he's a small point guard who doesn't really defend. And then it's like how much of your offense is him doing that? It's not that big. It's not easy. like when the defense tightens up, like it's a little bit harder on him. He's obviously still very good. But there there are there are so few. You look around the league, and there are so few like blue chip tailor made. This person is perfect to build a championship team around. Um, and, and when you're, when you have all the options at your disposal and with which the process Sixers did, it was like, like it could be anything, but then you start to get like pretty good. And then it's like, now we're sort of locked into this way of playing with this guy. That's not the perfect fit anywhere. Reprint a Ricky. We are reprinting an old rights to Ricky Sanchez shirt. The voting is over. The good news is that we will... They don't know this yet, but we will also make the shirt available in store at Kinetic Skateboarding, which will be fun. So we'll make it available online, but also at Kinetic Skateboarding. I was looking through Kinetic's website yesterday. I need to order like three hoodies, I think. And I'm always conflicted at the Thrasher ones. I want to wear a Thrasher magazine hoodie, but then again, I'm not a skateboarder. I'm a big fucking poser, whatever. But the t-shirt will be available there uh, 9.1% on for first order with promo code Dave Silver at kineticskateboarding.com. But in store, we'll have the shirt. We will announce the winner of the Ricky reprint contest on Wednesday, and we will announce which shirt will be made available on Wednesday night's pod. So that is coming. Um, 
if you've been listening, if you're listening to the other pod, you will know at least one t-shirt that is in consideration. But uh, thank you for all the votes. We got tons and tons and tons of votes. So that will be on Wednesday. Ready for the mailbag, right? So just just well, before ahead. we do the mailbag, I want to yeah. still kind of on the Toronto game. I thought Kate Scott was great. You thought who I, was great? Kate Scott. I thought she was she was delightful as a broadcaster. I thought she was knowledgeable. I thought she was prepared. I thought her and Ala were fun together. Um, I like her voice. Alyssa described it as kind of like a like smooth jazz radio, which I thought was nice. Um, but also she could, could like get up a little bit for for intense plays. I was really happy with it. I, again, like. Zumov has been around my entire childhood. Like he's been there basically my whole life. And so like it's hard to the put those like the Sixers are Zumov for me. I know that for other people it was it's they've been around longer, like remember before Zumov. I don't. Um so I, I thought like going somewhere like she's she's not the same at all. They're very different styles, but I thought it was I thought it was great. I was I was happy with it. It could have been it could have been bad. Like it could have been like there's people that are there's plenty of bad play-by-play play people and i sure. thought kate was awesome I, I was i'm really happy with it and i think her and i'll have a really fun fun rapport with each other i'm excited to see how it develops she did a good job she, it'll be it'll be like games and games and games and games till we find out like how she what she is as a sixers broadcaster like yeah. it's really hard when you don't like you get in there and you're obviously like you haven't been here the whole time so you don't sure. want to go overboard on the the like the quirky shit or the or the who everybody is because you don't want it to sound disingenuous or wrong. For sure. So um, I would say like, she probably, she's done a lot of radio, radio and TV are different. She might've like over described a little bit, but like, if that's the worst thing that happens, I thought she did a good job. And uh, I'm curious to see what it will sound like in game, like 40. Uh, mm -hmm. But you are absolutely correct. It could have been an absolutely, absolute enormous disaster and it was totally. absolutely not so congrats kate on uh, not being an absolute enormous disaster to start and i will give her a long runway to uh, become what she is here yeah so. i want to we'll talk about it more when we have her on which i'm excited to do but it's it's a really interesting spot like f like coming into a very like testy fan base mm -hmm. um and skeptical fan base which just generally is um, and being like, how, how far do I go in this, in various situations? I'm excited to talk to her about that. So hard for, all right. Yes, I agree. Excited to have her on. There's like, as you understand, my brain is working in, in several ways and things, uh, not Kate related to not say, and to do that, I'm just going right into the mailbag. Here we go. Um, writes Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. She did a great job. Right, Ricky said, this is not about you, Kate. I one million percent. Can you att attest, Mike? No, so, it's not, but you're you're just you're you're right there. You're knocking on the door. I'm not I'm not doing anything. All right. Right Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Send us one basketball, one non-basketball question. Uh, this comes from Chris. Last time I wrote to you guys was during the lockdown. Things were strange then, but the Ricky was surviving and thriving with amazing special guests, deep dives, extended bits. It was unlike anything really. And now we're here. Mostly basketball question. While we feel like the Ben Simmons hostage crisis is torturing the entire citizenry, can we relate it to some recent experiences from other fan bases? Is this how Green Bay fans felt during the Aaron Rodgers near holdout? What are, the, what are other examples of fan base turning on one of their own? And are there any good outcomes? I think Rodgers is obvious. Most of them are very different because they involve much bigger stars, I think, or, yeah. or better players. 
This is the Play, one players that have had more success, more success and better. Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Ben Simmons is a, you know, same with Anthony Davis, Harden, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. As far as the return. And this is, I can't believe I'm going to say this. And Rich Paul, it didn't, you made it this way. Didn't have to be this way. The one thing that I will liken it to is when, when LeBron went back to Cleveland, it was like really fucking bad in there. And as much as I advocate for Philadelphia fans and I, you know, I, I don't think anybody will be, or there might be one person that's like stupid, stupid, but when he comes back on another team, it is yeah. going to be fucking bedlam in there. Yeah. It's going to be bad. And it didn't have to be that way. It yeah, just, it sure. just didn't have to be that way. As all I would say is just like, they've taken so many shots on the way out that like, it's almost, it's almost one of those things where. Um, when somebody says to you, you do that one more time, I'm going to fucking beat the shit out of you. And you're like, well, what situation, what do I, I have to do something now. Like Philadelphia fans almost have to react now because of how it's been on the way out. It's going to be really, really ugly. And it didn't have to be that way. No, for sure. For sure. It could have just been, it could have been behind closed doors. It didn't have to be as public as it did and didn't have to get into, into war um but the war industrial rich paul complex is strong and hardy mm-hmm. and uh and so and so here we are yeah it's gonna be bad it's gonna be bad for sure i think i think prior to um when jimmy was asking out of minnesota and that got ugly mm-hmm. it's similar and i would i would probably argue that because jimmy wasn't in philly yet and definitely because he wasn't in miami yet where he made the title run um I think they're pretty similar. They they are similar levels of players at that point. Jimmy in Minnesota with Ben there, at least seen around the league. Ben Ben is prior to the Hawks series was seen, yeah. I say, about the same way. You mean in terms of like level in the NBA? Because Ben is yeah. like thirty fifth or fortieth best player, and I think and at that Butler point, is like fifteen. No, I think at that point they were both around. At that point, and if an honest assessment now, prior to the Hawks series and all this bullshit. They were probably both around like 25. I don't agree, but okay, whatever. If you look at those like top 20 yeah. lists, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy and Ben were around the same place. Sure, yes, um, uh, agree, time. agree, agree. Uh, so but before we get to the non-basketball question, which is a good one, uh, wait, there was one more thing I was going to say. Jim, you brought up Jimmy and Ben, and when he comes back, fuck, I lost it. Maybe I'll forget it. Um you know, the L.L. Pavorsky commercial, congratulations to L.L. Pavorsky celebrating five years as Rights to Ricky Sanchez sponsor this week, the first sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. But really, this has started as a, you know, as somebody who believed in the pod, but it has come to basically like a relationship between L.L. Pavorsky and Mike Levin, who purchased an engagement ring from L.L. And that's that's how I describe it. I, when I think of it, I think of like when I think of L.L., I think of you proposing it's just like it's really one and the same. When you were dealing with LL, obviously you're not a jewelry expert or anything. Did he make I, you feel not comfortable? Before. Yeah. Are you now? No, What'd you say? Oh, yeah. Is it LL? Big, yeah. Big time. Yeah. LL Pavorsky Jewelers has been, I knew it was going to eventually just be back to me uh, coming up <laughs> with the ad, but you better have the thing at the end. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, been with the Ricky for five years, been in Philadelphia for over 30 now in the same place 
And not just for our Philly Ricky listeners, we've had listeners, you know, Mike's in LA, but we've had listeners all over the country who have purchased engagement rings from LL. He's able to have these appointments with you over like Zoom or or whatever, like you can do it, but he's, there are rings all over the place. Uh, we had a proposal in Minnesota for Fly the Process. Um, we had a proposal, lottery party, LL connected to all of them. You simply have no choice if you're going to buy an engagement ring than to do it with LL Pavorsky. He actually shared a good story this week that he sent me. Hold on, let me get it. He, he texted me, um, just had a wonderful older couple who listened to the Ricky celebrate their 30th anniversary with a new diamond anniversary band, but he wanted to know if he's counted in the number. And he is not because it's not an engagement ring. True. So, my parent, I think my parents did a similar thing. Oh, really? Yeah, it doesn't count. They don't I'm count. Sorry. Yeah, don't count. So anyway, if you want to buy an engagement ring, but any jewelry at all, LL Pavorsky Jewelers is where you want to go. Just a, a wonderful man who has believed in us since the beginning. Well, five years is not the beginning, but believed in us for a long time. Seven bothering us for a long time before then. Very true. He always wanted to sponsor the pod. That's a good point. 707 Walnut in Philly, 215-627-2252, llpavorsky.com, lee at llpavorsky.com, or at llpavorsky on Twitter, and a longtime supporter of our charities, Coded by Kids, Providence Animal Center, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Five years of marriage, the traditional fifth anniversary gift is wood. So go to LL for all wood-based jewelry. <laughs> LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Non-basketball question. As you can tell, I love the bits. So whatever happened to the blessed legends of Philadelphia sport tattoo? Are you forbidden to talk about it? I will give an update on that. I don't think I've seen a bit just disappear. Also, what happened to the Apple podcast five-star reviews or the ill-fated YouTube comment of the week? Did you realize at some point you were doing ads for those companies? I love all the stuff. It could be a nice distraction to talk about best bits, lost bits, but I guess there are actual basketball games now. I just forget sometimes. So I'll, to Mike's chagrin, I will bring back the five-star review. I will bring back the YouTube comment of the week. Here's what happened with the tattoo. So if you're new or if you checked out at a certain point, we had talked about a tattoo. Mike had described an image of, could it was Iverson and, and Bede and Dawkins. Do you remember exactly they're looking from heaven? Do you remember mm -hmm. what the image you described was? Could you specifically? Yeah, it was like the, it was like the end of Happy Gilmore when they're right. looking down. Yes. Um and and waving from heaven and it's also Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh yes, with, also. Uh, I think it was yeah, it was Utley Dawkins Iverson, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I believe. Watching Embiid. Yeah, from heaven. So we had several people volunteer to get a tattoo. One that I said okay to, and true. And I had talked to one of the guys. I have a, a couple of different people who have uh, tattooed me the most over the years, and I talked to one of them, who said he would do it. Truth be told, this one is just like, like, do you ever have one of those people in your life that will respond to the first text message? And then when there's a follow-up, you don't get a response to the second, and then you have to chase them down for a response to the second. Sure. That's what this person is like. And like, every, I love him. He's a great guy, great artist, great tattoo artist, but everything is like so much work to get done because I have to follow up so many times and then I feel annoying. And I just didn't feel like doing it anymore. And that especially for something that could be on some level a liability when this person regrets this fucking tattoo. So 
if the artist had been super into it and all over me to do it, I probably would have done it, but I just didn't feel like doing it anymore. Uh, also a question for Chris said, I think Val and Alyssa should come on to commiserate and tell us what it's like living with you two. Uh, has Val ever been on the pod? Val has no desire to be on the podcast. So that would be a no. I wanted to check in on Alyssa's foot though. How is Alyssa's foot? Thank you. Sec second opinion, not broken, just okay. very badly sprained. And it is, uh, which is the rare good news that we would never get as a Sixers fan. So Alyssa is clearly not a Sixer. Um, she has bruising like all the way up her to like her knee and thigh. Like it's crazy amount of colors, like all the colors. It's friggin' rainbow in there. Um, but she's all right. She's got a nice little scooter. She's scootering around. She's having fun with that. We're, we're good. Um, this comes from Jonathan. I appreciated Spike's recent summary. I also heard from Gons, who loved the five rules of dog walking. Loved the five rules of dog walking. I appreciated Spike's recent summary of the rules of dog walking, but wanted to ask about one tangent. I notice a lot of people walking dogs in my neighborhood will allow their dogs to wander onto people's front lawns and pee or poop in the grass. When I recently called out someone for letting their dog wander onto my lawn, the owner acted outraged at me, yelling back, hey, I'm cleaning up the poop. Regardless of their best That's efforts, a funny thing to yell. Yeah. Hey, I'm clean. Regardless of their best efforts with a plastic bag, I don't want my family to have to step in poop residue on my own property. As someone who grew up with dogs and have owned dogs as an adult, bad dog ownership outrages me because it gives a bad impression of the responsible dog owners out there. Am I wrong that people shouldn't allow their dogs on other people's lawns? Even if the owner will do their best to clean up the poop afterwards, it's not my problem that your dog won't poop on the sidewalk. These are the per perpetual soft shit award winners in my mind. I uh, love the podcast and agree with the take that I'm half in it for the basketball talk, but half in it for the community. This is a tough one for me because Rebel does pee on other people's lawns. Like when you're walking on the sidewalk, you basically have a choice between the little front part that's right next to the street and the actual lawn. Here's what I would say that I do. I always try to urge Rebel and pull him onto that front part of the, the grass that's on the other side of the sidewalk. Yeah, that's responsible. I, I would say that's responsible. There are some times when you're walking your dog that he's just like, at least mine, that he's just like, do, 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 do around. And then uh, he's he's going. Like, it just happens. So I would say that, that people should make their best efforts to have it go on that little piece of grass in front. I know who wrote this, Jonathan, like it's not your problem that they won't go on the sidewalk. There's a lot of fucking dogs that won't go to the bathroom on the sidewalk that need grass, need the smell. I would say they got to make their best efforts to go on the, the front part of the grass. If you see a repeated offender, maybe yell, but sure. I wouldn't yell once. How do you feel? I, I agree with that. And yeah. look, they're dogs. They're going to do mm -hmm. what they want. If you hate it that much, put up a fence. Like, that's mm -hmm. your prerogative. If it's if it's that big of a deal for you, then put up a fence. But I'm, I'm never going to yell at a dog. Come on. A uh, couple more, and then Chip Mitchell from Joel. Are either of you worried about rebounding? We haven't talked about it very much. I, I'm curious to see what Embiid's... I like that you're just assuming that his name is not Joel. The more oh, traditional... Yeah, it could be Joel. It's probably more likely Joel. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's from the big yeah, guy. Could be from Joel, sure. I'm curious um, to see what Embiid's rebounding numbers look like this year. I'm not too worried. No, I'm not too worried about it. I think Drummond is like a little bit of an empty stats rebounder. Um, but if Embiid's in there, they're good. Tobias is also a good rebounder. 
Um, it's kind of it. It's but it's going to be a lot of a lot of meat. I would I would I wouldn't mind if like Matisse took more of an interest in rebounding, mm -hmm. um, and, and just like going up and getting a bunch of balls like that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, outside of if Embiid goes down, I think I think. Well, we're, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. The the one thing about rebounding that I never knew about Ben, and this was sort of like a Westbrook thing, is that strategically you wanted to let him get a rebound so he could go with it. And you wonder how many of the rebounds that he got that somebody else wouldn't have gotten. I don't know what the answer to that is. Uh, obviously, Ben was a good rebounder, but I don't know what the answer was that he was getting rebounds that nobody else on the Sixers would have gotten. And then also from Joel or Joel, since it's October, what are your favorite horror films? Mike, of course, you don't like any horror films. No. I will for the Focus, next. Focus, focus. Oh, that Val loves that movie. Not a horror film, Mike. I will for the next pod come up with my favorite 10. I like a lot of horror movies. I'd say that the two that scared me the most in my life are The Ring, which I watched alone. And I had to leave my home and sleep at my parents' house after I watched it. I and got cheated on in the Chamonix Mall during the ring. Oh, we, I've, we, I've told that story before. Yeah, it's a great story. It's a great one. And uh, and The Shining still scares me to this day. Um, two. All right, two more. Um, one. We got a lot of emails about. We were talking about why people listen to the Ricky. And we got a lot of good emails about this from non-Sixers fans because that was what you brought up uh, in the beginning. I just wanted to read this. He has a question at the end, but I thought it was an interesting story. I teased it at the top. I wanted to tell you a story of how I became a Sixers fan and say thank you. I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, where as early as I can remember, I was devastated that my state didn't have a professional sports team. I had fleeting fandoms based on players I liked. I named my first dog Mark Brunel was a Spurs fan for a while and generally cheered for every team Randy Moss ever played for. But deep down in my heart, I knew there was no real passion. I want to meet and a dog named Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel. This is my dog, Mark Brunel, pissing on your front lawn. Um, deep in my heart, I knew there was no real passion as I was never that sad when my teams lost and never that happy when they won. I moved to Philadelphia for college, bought a Brian Dawkins jersey, and flirted with the Sixers and the Phillies. But the Andre Iguodala Sixers were truly one of the least compelling rosters ever. That's right. And and if baseball is even a sport, it's a trash one. Whew. So only in ever seeking the real fandom of someone who grew up in a metropolis, at age 27 years old, I still had no team I cared about. Eventually, John Gonzalez and Chris Ryan at the Ringer rent mentioned the rights to Ricky Sanchez enough times, even though I initially found the name off-putting, I checked you guys out. I was immediately resentful of Mike for both being younger and funnier than myself, as I've always fantasized about being funny on a podcast without putting in the work. And I initially kept listening to prove to myself that Mike sucks. It's a great <laughs> reason to listen. I, as good as any, really. I still remember getting angry at one episode where Spike said that Mike was funnier than him, which I immediately jealously dismissed because I was sure Mike wasn't funny at all. Years later, after listening to every podcast, sometimes multiple times, an honor only reserved for you guys and Zach Lowe, I have admitted to myself that Mike is hilarious, but would be totally useless without Spike hurting him in each episode. You guys are both funny, great hurting. dudes. Hurting, and through listening, I've developed affinities for everyone on the Sixers roster. I've now watched both preseason games. I follow the team like a neurotic little boy who grew up in Philly. Um, thank you for that. 
one note I'll say about this team, I think Mike is a little too pessimistic. I might be overreacting to this most recent game, but it looks to me like Daryl Morey is already working his magic. Drafting Maxie, Joe, and Paul Reed in the same year as an A+. Though I was skeptical at first, Andre Drummond on a minimum deal is great value. This is a guy who hated you is now doing you. He's doing an impression of you. So um, so his basketball question was he didn't want to give up Maxie. Um, at the beginning of the summer, I was reluctantly resigned that giving up Maxie in a Damon Beal trade was a necessary evil. As I continue to watch him, I'm convinced he is a future all-star. The flashes he's shown with his step-back threes and scoring around the rim, I think will blossom into a borderline all-NBA player, though probably not in the next couple of seasons. My question is, is he approaching untouchable status in a trade? No. My answer is no. No. Sorry. I love I love my little dudes. You know, I love the I love them all. Like it's tough to it's going to be painful to if we have to move him or or any of those other young guys. Um but I I think it's unlikely that Maxi ever it becomes an all-star level player. Um he's just I think the shooting improvement is important and that's good, but he's never going to be an excellent shooter from the outside. And I think it's great that he can get to the rim, but he's also not unstoppable at the rim. Right. So, and his passing is good, but not great. He's just like, he's just pretty good all around. And I think the defense will keep improving. I think he's, I, I think he's, I think he's a really good player, but it, I think it's unlikely that he ever makes an all-star team. And at the point the Sixers are and with Embiid, you, you, you make him happen. Yeah. Okay. And then his non-basketball question is just one of the most terrifying non-basketball questions we've ever received. What form of dying scares you most? Um, prolonged. Like any like, like a bad disease or something. Yeah, either that or being tortured to death. Anytime there was we, anytime the uh, there was uh, our alarm went off in the middle of the night uh, last week or something. And I like stumble out in just my underwear, like ready to confront whoever is there, I guess. And uh, and it was no one. It was just like a, a window opened or something weirdly or like was like clicked in or something. It was fine. But anytime, and this has been forever, anytime, you know, I my parents had a basement growing up and I, you're always scared of the basement in the dark. Mm-hmm. And, and just like the idea of someone hiding and not being like not being seen always freaked me out and, and then torturing like, you looking, to death and then torturing me to death whatever it is but like i i was always like come down like if you're here just like come on just like straight face to face let's go like i'm always ready to just like if if there's someone in person then it's like okay we're fine like we can engage in combat not that i'm i'd be excellent in in combat against uh, anyone trying to uh break in or hide in my basement but uh my parents basement but uh yeah, that always freaked me out. But anything else, I don't know. Yeah, falling not, off, f- falling out a window—that sounds fine. I'm not super scared of dying, really. I'm just scared of pain. So, like, the one that has always got me is, oh, I don't want to get in a car accident and be trapped in it with like my leg half off or something. You know, just fucking hurting the whole time. Just make it quick. So, so I we're going to leave you with an email from Chip Mitchell. Chip is a longtime emailer, though not incredibly frequent. And he writes these long missives. Is that a, a word? Is that mm-hmm. the right word here? Mm-hmm. In a very particular way of writing with 
a cap, a lot of caps. I almost think that this should be coming like scrolling up like Star Wars so you can see the caps. I have not read this yet. I haven't read it. I left it for this because I like I like when he makes me laugh. From Chip Mitchell, dear Spike and Mike, dear Mike and Spike, greetings, sirs. I write today with an update about my personal situation, which you have probably been wondering about. You'll be glad I he- you'll be glad to hear I decided not to poison my tuna salad sandwich, as many suggested. Although it would have been justified, it would have also been very wrong. So instead, I solved the problem by bringing my non-perishable items to work because no one can steal your lunch if it is three granola bars in your pants. I also started eating more often at the restaurant downstairs, where the, where the waitress, Nancy Chumley, sometimes lets me use the bathroom and happens to be in my screenwriting class at the local extension school. In March, she read my script a modern update of the hit movie Freaky Friday. In my version, instead of an old person and a young person switching bodies, it's two old people. One, Carl, is 77, and the other, Chad, is 87. Carl is upset because he suddenly feels more tired and achy, whereas Chad feels less tired and can also see better. Mm -hmm. It is a movie about aging. It is also a movie about friendship, kind of. As I explained in my class, aging happens to everyone, which means this movie will have worldwide appeal. It will star a saucy Clint Eastwood as Chad. In class, Chumley said supportive things about my script and also my other script, The Injured Ninja. So it's nice to go to lunch and say hello to Chumley and use the bathroom and reminisce about my scripts. I also read one of her scripts, which is a sci-fi epic about robots and bears who have adventures in space. It's great. I helped her improve the dialogue between the main two bears. One day, Krakow and Bigelow, his coworkers, came to my desk and said they'd seen me chatting up the waitress downstairs. That was their term, chatting up, which made it sound sleazy. They're like this with everything. One of our coworkers, Janice Longo, only has three fingers on one hand. So she is known as three, <laughs> three-fingered Janice around the office. It's just an affectionate nickname. We don't say it to her face. But whenever Bigelow says it, he makes his eyebrows dance like three-fingered Janice, like he's elbowing you suggestively. I don't know what he's getting at, but it's gross, and so is he. The thing is, Krakow likes Chumley and wants to talk to her, but he is too big of a sniveling coward to introduce himself, so he wants me to do it. First, I said no, and then leaned back and laughed. But then he said if I did it, this quote if I did him this quote unquote solid, we could finally bury the hatchet. I could use the refrigerator at lunch, and I wouldn't have to picture him drowning in a shoe filled with urine every time I wanted to relieve myself. It sounds like a good deal, but also sounds like blackmail. So this is my non-basketball question. Is it? <laughs> and what should I do? One important note, they cannot they said I cannot tell Chumney anything about our arrangement. So I can't say, hey, I'm going to introduce you to this horse's ass later, but only because he's blackmailing me. No, it has to feel all spontaneous and buddy-buddy. We'll have to sit her in a a section and laugh loudly and maintain eye contact and high-five each other like real friends. So is it blackmail and what should he do? (laughs) Uh, Another Chip Mitchell adventure, whoever Chip Mitchell is. Uh, I would say, no, it's not blackmail. It's a favor and you benefit yeah. from it also. 
Yeah, I think so too. I it doesn't sound like blackmail. It it does sound like a negotiation, but not blackmail. His non-basketball question is those are I've, that's a second non-basketball question. <laughs> yes. My non-basketball question is have you ever asked someone to introduce you to a lovely gal? Or did you ever do the introduction? How did it go? I like your stories, so feel free to go on and on. Names, hair color, setting, it's 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 Great. Etc. Have you have you ever asked or uh, done? Uh, I'm sure, like on a on a playground or at a party or something, but nothing uh, nothing comes to mind. Chip, I asked once for. I don't want to be too specific. I had a friend, and the friend's wife worked at a restaurant. And I wanted to be introduced to a waitress that worked at that restaurant. So I went to dinner with the friend, with the friend's wife at that restaurant. And he made, she made sure that this waitress was waiting on our table. She had obviously given her a warning as she put her phone number on the receipt. And we went out on one date and I found her intolerable in real life. And that is the only time that's ever happened to me. She's mm. probably a good person, but in real life, she was, you know, I, I am to many people intolerable, so I'm not saying I was any different to her, but I found her intolerable. Hair color? She had uh, light brown hair, which was short. Setting was... I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't ask how long it was. I just asked for the color. That's a good point. And the, the setting was the now non-existent pharmacia in Philadelphia. This was many, many years ago. Many years ago, like over a decade ago. So I, I doubt this will... Anyone will, will connect will connect anything so all right well we will be with you next wednesday watch the uh, relaunched doogie hauser and uh watch young rock on hulu or mm -hmm. peacock mm -hmm. there we go any other plugs all of it other plugs um call us ricky and doc and dr San mr sanchez mr now? sanchez yeah but they weren't Remember, anyone listening to this pod didn't even hear why. They didn't and hear that part, so that's no, fine. No, that, that's separate, yeah. They don't need it. Uh, WNBA Finals start tomorrow. Sky Mercury, really good series. Game five yesterday was great of Aces Mercury. So I'll be watching that. Eagles, what do we think? Feels like a win? No, I don't think so. No. Panthers not. are pretty good, you know. I, I, don't, I don't think that's a win. I don't think anything will feel like a win the rest of the season, even though they will obviously win. What are you feeling? Gabe Kapler up 1-0 in the NLDS. Love that. Big Gabe Kapler guy. Sixers Adam is a big Gabe Kapler guy. Now, it's it's funny. People talk about, like, I, I don't think he needed to stay in Philadelphia. I don't think that was going to work. No. But, um, but it's but clear I'm, he wasn't the, pro the problem. No. I, I mean. I don't think he was good at, in Philly. There were no, but he not enough good wasn't. players. Like, yeah. That's fucking the problem. But he's yeah. doing a good job in the Giants. I'm very happy for him. Was always a, a Gabe guy. So what All right. a bleak nope. time in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. We're back. There were a we're couple back. good years in there. And now we're we're in bleak. It's bleak. Yep. We leave you cool. with uh, another track from the War on Drugs, I Don't Live Here Anymore, which comes out on October 29th. This is Living Proof. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know, like face. But I'm rising.